great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger, my faithful co-hosts. Uh, we have a good one for you today. We got a lot to get into. We have some LSU stuff. We have the national championship game we have to talk about, of course. Uh, then some uh, some LSU basketball news. And then we're actually going to have a little special segment for you a little bit later, a special guest, actually, uh, with a very close ties to the pod. Um, but before we get into all that, just wanted to check in with you guys, co-hosts, see how you're doing. Uh, I don't know, football's, well, college football is over. Uh, the NFL is is uh, just entering in the playoffs. So I don't know, we're about to hit the, I guess, the winter months, the dark season here. Anyway, um, I had a pretty good week. Uh, wh- what about you guys? Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed, you know, national championship was kind of, and the, the NFL this, this weekend was pretty fun to watch. And the national championship was probably the highlight. Uh, it's always a bittersweet kind of thing. It's almost like, I don't know about y'all, but like, you know, that feeling after Christmas, like Christmas day, Christmas night, you know, like you've had the full day of like fun and like, Oh, you open present and saw your family and everything. And like just that build up to the holiday season. And then there's just a big release and you're like, dang, like it's all over. I have to wait another whole year for this. Like, that's how it kind of feels for me after the national championship, because it's like you wait so long, you hyped up so much. There's so much like, you know, excitement. And then, you know, Bama inevitably wins. <laughs> it's time to move on to next year. So, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I, I was excited. I'm glad to watch the game. I was happy to, you know, to, to do all that, but um, I'm already sad looking ready for next year. Yeah, we're pretty well into 2021 now, officially uh, rolling through it. This is episode number 75, three quarters of a century with y'all. It's been a long time coming, uh, so that's fun. 75 years of this podcast. Yes. Wow. Um, Golden episode. Thank you for, to all of our listeners who've been with us for 75 episodes. Uh, but yeah, we got a, a special guest, former LSU player on in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. We had an interview with him, and yeah, the national championship was fun, and that was good. And yeah, the Saints had a big win also. Um, hopefully they can keep that rolling and not suffer some heartbreak like they have in recent years in the NFL playoffs since LSU had very little postseason success this year. But overall, doing pretty good. Yeah, I think LSU probably could have had postseason success, uh, you know, if they'd have played a bowl game. But they, uh, you know, they put themselves in timeout. Hopefully that'll help them in the long run because of any looming, uh, you know, NCAA investigations or, or sanctions. Uh, and yeah, the Saints, I mean, they, they moved on. I got to say, though, it, I thought they were going to have a letdown that game because it just seemed like they kept trying to give it to the Bears and the Bears wouldn't fully take it. Uh, but eventually, I think the Saints kind of got things figured out. Maybe this next game, they'll have everybody back. It seems like at some point in every game this season, they've been missing somebody, whether it's Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin, you know, whoever it is. Uh, but I don't know. They're, they're, they're trying to hold it together, at least for the playoffs. And I got to agree with you, Tommy, there's like this post-holiday letdown. For me, it's usually January 2nd because it's like you're just crossing the finish line from the last year. And those last couple steps, you're already into the next year. And it's like, you got to go. There's no time to stop. Just keep going. And it's just, I don't know. It's like you got to take decorations down. You're still oh, that's finding, always sad, too. I hate doing yeah. that. And then you find like wrapping paper underneath the couch and just like, oh. But it's um, like, that's like one of the best, one of the best like repurposes. And I feel like it's kind of a more recent thing. My mom does it. Uh, she doesn't even take down her Christmas tree. She leaves it up and makes it a Mardi Gras tree, puts beads on it and just leaves it up. Oh, that's smart. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know people that don't take their lights down all year. They just, they leave it up. Just so they turn don't them have off. to take it down. Yeah. Um, Cause who's, who's going to notice from the street. Uh, but anyway, um, speaking of taking the lights down or keeping them up, uh, I, I don't know if that segue quite fits, but I, maybe it does. Who knows? Anyway, um, got some LSU news to get into. So let's do that. Uh, we had a few more announcements of players that are, are staying and one that is not. Um, so since our last pod, we have found out that uh, Jere Jenkins is coming back. So is John Trey Kirkland. Uh, so we're going to retain two of those receivers, which is good. Uh, also, also Austin Deculus. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the offensive line and, you know, what that's going to look like. So it's really good to see him coming back. And I don't know, I just overall, I feel like there's, uh, you know, kind of like a vibe the year before last, you know, before the championship season where guys wanted to come back. You know, yeah. they felt like, you know, I think we may have something here. Maybe they do, um, you know, depending on who all comes back and stays healthy and, and whatnot. Uh, but I feel like if the players, you know, are already buying in and wanting to come back, that just, that can't bode anything but well for LSU. Um, I mean, there was one player that uh, is not coming back, and that would be Ray Thornton. He, he's, I guess, is entering the transfer portal right yeah he's 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 not coming back basically um but i mean he he had a he had an okay year i mean he had some action this year um maybe it was probably not as much as he wanted though i, I mean he had some stats but it, it just from what the stats look like it didn't look like he played a lot but you know it's because maybe jabril cox came in and uh just kind of owned uh the, the middle spot but um that's who's staying that's who's going but uh we also had a uh, a commit for uh, gee, I forget which year it was. Daniel, do you know? He's in the class of 2022, actually. Okay. Yeah, cornerback to Darian Rhyme. Uh, so he's, we actually have had a pretty decent amount of 2022 commits in the past. This He's up to like number six or seven for the Tigers so far. But yeah, we were a bit thin on corner commits this past year. So I think it's good to start building that at this point. And it's kind of weird because we just wrapped up everything with the signing day and then the cycle never really stops. We're just rolling straight into the next one. Uh, so there's the kids that just keep on a coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Um, and he was, he's a good one. He's a good four-star cornerback. It's, it's weird to hear that LSU's had trouble, you know, getting, getting some cornerback commits. Cause <laughs> that's, that's never been the case. Uh, usually we have too many and they transfer out, but, um, anyway, I don't know guys. I mean, it's, I don't know if that's, if it's completely done, I don't know if that covers everybody, but like if things stay as they are, I think we're looking at like 20 of 22 starters that, that might be coming back next year, which is, is really good. Almost the polar opposite of, of us having 19 of 22 starters. Yeah exactly uh, gone after the championship year so i don't know i mean we still we still have some more coaching pieces to put in place but i, I don't know i i think that's that's a very good positive sign like i said if these guys are all wanting to come back you know that's i think that bodes well as opposed to you know a bunch of like a mass exodus uh which could you know maybe suggest different writing on the wall, but I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's really good. There's going to be a lot of good set pieces in place for, uh, for Jake Peets and uh, DJ Mangum. And then you know, whoever else ends up grabbing the, uh, the DC spot. But 
Right. It, it tells you that the well hopefully is not completely poisoned. Oh, in yeah. LSU. And the locker that he has the loss in the locker room. I think that's a big, I think these are all big moves for coach. O. Yeah. Because if you, because I mean, during the season we had all sorts of problems with opt outs and people getting upset, whatever. And then, so a lot of people, I think the general consensus was, yeah, a lot of people might leave. And then we're almost like starting afresh with the true freshman that we were playing at the end and that the upperclassmen were going to just dip out and say like, we don't want a part of this anymore, but for them to stay and compete for those starting jobs. Yeah. It seems that hopefully the, the fire is still burning at least in a good portion of the LSU player base. I don't, and I almost, you know, a lot of rumors were that it was actually even worse than that. You know, that, that we were going to have freshmen. And I mean, we do have, obviously you have Eric Gilbert leaving and there's the rumors of BJ, but I don't think he's going anywhere now. You know, that, that's kind of calmed down. I feel like, but um, regardless you know, I thought worst case scenario, we could have tons of talent just evaporate, especially with the way that, and I still don't really understand how this coat, all the COVID transfer rules work now. I don't know if anybody does. I think they just make them up. When you enter the portal, they make up a new rule, but regardless, you know, from think back to maybe, you know, fifth week of the season, sixth week of the season. Uh, if you would have told me, yeah, it's going to be so bad. We're going to be in so much of the dumpster. We're going to lose everybody. Anybody who's draft eligible is gone. All the the top players who who are underclassmen and could go are either opting out or, or uh, you know, transferring. I would have been like, okay, like, you know, I, I guess that could happen. That makes sense. But um, it, it's interesting to me that, you know, that after the fire firing of, uh, of Pelini and then now the hiring – of Pete's and Mangus, um, there's been a, a just an absolute deluge of people saying, oh, I'm back. I'm coming back. No, no, me too. Hey, you know, I'll see you there next year as well. It, like you said, Scott, it reminds us of the 2019 offseason. You know, I don't know if it's – I wonder if – I wonder how – because and we've talked about this before. Um, a lot of these hires – are kind of in the books already, you know, coach, coach O has a, has a person on his mind. Oh, we're going to hire you. you. You get through your NFL season. We'll officially announce it. They, you know, who knows, they might've been in talks with Pete's and kind of knew he was the guy. In fact, actually I, I heard on an interview today with coach O that um, they had been talking to Joe Brady almost throughout the entire NFL season, just keeping in touch with him and, and saying, who do you think, like, what's your, what, who's your go-to guy, stuff like that. And so, um, who knows, maybe Pete's and Mangus were kind of the guys that everybody knew about in, maybe that was our pick in November or in, you know, October, something like that. And if that's the, if that's true, then I can totally see where almost like when Joe Brady came, uh, you know, came in and was like, look, we're, we're switching everything. The offense is going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to change everything and make it revolutionize the LSU offense. I could see where some of these players like a John Trey Kirkland, is like, well, I want to be part of that. You know, let's, let's see what I can, I can play in that. Um, I found it interesting also in that same interview that I heard today, Coach O, he didn't say what we've all been thinking, what we all kind of complained or complained about or, or mentioned during the season, but he kind of alluded to it. He said, uh, they, they asked him about the Pete's hiring and he said, uh, yeah, uh, well, with, with bringing them in, we're going to, uh, we're going to go back right, you know, right back to the 2019 style of offense. We're going, we're diving headfirst into it. I think a lot of the fans are going to be happy about it, which like, it doesn't mean that what, you know, that they, 
Because I think if you'd asked him during the season, he would have said, oh, we're still doing the same thing. We haven't changed it. Insbinger called the plays and everything like that. But um, I mean, when you say like, hey, I think the fans are really going to like it next year. We brought in these, this young blood. You're kind of saying it. And, you know, what the 2020 is gone. It's past that season. You can't take it back. But now we've got a 2021 season to look forward to with young guys, a lot of talent coming back, hopefully some talent coming in. Who knows? It's a new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as like, like him saying, uh, yeah, they're going to be excited. We're going to bring the old offense back. I was, as soon as you said that, I was thinking, all right, that's awesome. I didn't think it will, from what we were told, we didn't think it was going anywhere. Well, the, exactly. That was <laughs> right. But it's like, but I, I think the, I think what's, what's also what he probably would like to say, but he can or can't promise is like, you know, that a big part of that offense was, you know, who we had at QB and that was just a guy that they could trust to make those plays. And uh, I think maybe next year, you know, it's either going to be miles or max. Uh, you know, I won't completely count out TJ, but uh, just based on this year and just expectations going into next year, you know, I don't think they would have the same season as Joe Burrow, but they wouldn't have to, they would just have to have, you know, at least half as good probably. I mean, like, look at, look at what Mac Jones was able to do. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think know. going into this season, I don't think anybody would have predicted Mac Jones to have to, be a Heisman finalist. Be a Heisman fi- exactly, and, <laughs> and and you put him in a play. You know, you put uh, a a player like that in a position to succeed, and and that he puts in the work during the off season. And you know, anything's possible. I think that uh, I I think that you're right, Scott. You know, most of us for, for ten weeks he told us, well, the the offense didn't go anywhere. It's the same thing. <laughs> Just look at it. It's on the field, but. I like Matt Muscota says this, um, this, he, he says that the difference between like Insminger calling the plays and calling, you know, you give, if you give them the same playbook, you give Joe Brady the same playbook, you give Insminger the same playbook. Uh, Insminger for, it's like learning a second language. Like you're never going to know Spanish. If you're an English, if you, if you grew up in Louisiana, you're never going to, never going to know Spanish as well as you know, English. If you grew up speaking English in your house, uh, it's the same way for, for Insminger. Like you could teach him, all the the air raid rpo spread you know all that kind of stuff but he's never going to know it as well because he didn't grow up playing it he didn't grow up coaching it the same way that joe brady who you know played it did or you know i presume pete's and mangus will yeah no i I wouldn't expect them to call the same you know the same football game i probably wouldn't even expect them because you know most teams like pre-script their first what 15 or whatever plays to start Mm -hmm. the game I, i would not expect them to have the same 15 plays ready if they were playing the same team with like the same film, you know, I just, I wouldn't expect that to happen. So yeah, you're right. I, I just don't see it. Um, but looking at the other side of the ball, LSU is still in search of a defensive coordinator. Uh, they thought they had one on the line, but uh, apparently it was just a nibble because uh, Marcus Freeman chose to go to Notre Dame instead of LSU. I don't know. There's some speculation that he was definitely coming to LSU, but, that did not end up happening. My gut was that he would probably go to Notre Dame just because it was like a Midwest connection. He, you know, Notre Dame was like, I don't know. I think it was like what Columbus, Ohio is probably less than two to three hours drive from, from uh, South Bend. Uh, I mean, he knows the area. Notre Dame's got a very rich tradition. I would say richer than LSU, but not as of late. But I don't know. I don't know what his, you know, final decision, what his factors were 
but it seemed like LSU had the beat on it, but then they didn't. You know, kind of like that. Um, what was that commercial where the it was the, the car insurance commercial where the, the guy in the fishing gear is like, "Oh, you got it! You almost had it!" You know, where he's That's got the, like you caught a dollar one. Or yeah, I, exactly. I caught you a dollar. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. It was a pretty big whiff, I think, because everybody was super hyped up about Marcus Freeman, at least from what I'd seen online. Like young, he was the only name. Yeah, like young productive coach who's turned Cincinnati from worst to close to first in defense and then seemed like he would be a good fit uh, for our scheme and our team and then like Tommy just mentioned he was the only person that people were really nailing down to this job and then once that evaporated it's like oh where do we go from here like does LSU not really have the sway that we thought we might um does he see does he know something that we don't why does he not want to come here and then there were some rumors about personal stuff like his wife didn't want to move down to Baton Rouge and things like that what yeah. yeah, that's what that's for what shame. Saying. Who would not want to move? Has she even been there? She doesn't know. She wants to go to the lovely town of South Bend. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know their, their personal implications, but that is kind of tough. And then there hasn't been too much going on since then. People are scrambling. Just today, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, Scott, but LSU was interviewing Mississippi State defensive coordinator uh, Zach Arnett, who he was only a one year coordinator there, but uh, apparently turned them. Uh, around a little bit they did okay they beat us yeah and he, he runs a three-three-five defense which is a little bit different than what we're used to again so that will be kind of tough to to shift but i think it's okay i don't really know apparently his his contract at mississippi state is one million per year so we could definitely beat that if we wanted to we could flash the cash uh so if he's the only option maybe it's the route we take or they could have some other stuff up their sleeve, like from the NFL, like you mentioned before. Well, and, and one thing to keep in mind, Daniel, you said he runs a three, three, five. That's what Marcus Freeman ran, you know? Yeah. So like, maybe that's what coach O wants. I know in that interview I listened to is today, he said, they asked about the, the defensive coordinator stuff. And he said, uh, they asked about the scheme. You know, what, what do you, are you going to wear it a four, three, but now we could go back to a three, four. What do you, and he just said, in today's game, you got to run a multiple scheme. Right. So regardless of if this guy's a base three, three, five, or, you know, Pelini was base four, three, or Aranda's base three, four, they're going to move people around. Yeah, I, I run the Amoeba defense. You, well, yeah, we talked about that. Daniel's actually going to throw his hat in the ring. And, uh-huh. I, and if he gets it, I'm going to be his analyst. <laughs> nice. Wow. We have some inside and, insiders in the pod. And then Scott, you can be my analyst. <laughs> Perfect. I'd, I'd be happy just to be the guy on the sidelines handing the balls out, you know, when the, uh, you know, when, when the play is over, I'll, I'll be that guy. I don't care. Um, I mean, you still get, you still get paid you get to be close to the team. Um, but yeah, I'd saw, I'd saw the news about Arnett. Uh, I think other teams had been interested. I think he was, I don't know. I I'd saw something to where he, he was also being looked at by Texas, which is, I guess, you know, Sarkisian, but um I don't know. Yeah, I'd heard they were talking to him. I didn't know if he was officially had interviewed yet. Um, but there was another name floated, which I'd only seen it once or twice, you know, on some uh, offshoot tweet or, or website. Now, his name was David Reeves. He's uh, he's the coordinator, defensive coordinator at UAB. And I guess the reason they were looking at him, he's, you know, he's young, he's he's new. But it's like UAB just got their program back. I don't know if you guys remember, like they had canceled their program. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen the video? No. There's this video. It's crazy to watch. There's this video where some suit comes in and he's like, I'd like to announce that 
uh, you will not be playing football next year. Like they had him. It's so, it's a weird thing. All these players just sitting in the, in the auditorium and the guy just walks in and he's like, no more football. And these, like these upperclassmen get up. They're like, man, I committed to this school. Like I've been here for four years. What are you going to do? You're going to take that from me. I worked and the guy just like stares blankly at them. Like it's a very awkward, upsetting yeah. video to watch. But yeah, I would imagine so. And they, they have full reason to feel that way. And they probably sent the wrong person in. He sounds like some, you know, some guy, some, some uh, actuary. <laughs> yeah. That they sent in to, to close down a company. I don't know. He just, sorry, you're, you're losing your job. Here's your severance. And then it's just, it's cut and dry for them. But yeah. It's like I that movie with George Clooney up in the air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I, they just got their program back and he already had them back within like, I think it was like a top 50 defense within like two years. Uh, you know, this is like, you know, this is just top 50. There's, there's SEC programs that aren't in the top 50. So I don't know. It was just another name that I saw. I haven't seen anything about him interviewing, but it was just, it was someone tossed the name out. Uh, that'd be good. Like how many people like, let's be honest. I I'm, I'm excited about Jake Pete's coming in, but not really a household name, right? Like yeah. compared to, other people that have come through or that we've probably looked at or wanted to come here, but uh, I'm happy with that. I think next year LSU fans will be also, but you know, as far as a defensive coordinator hire, I, I mean, I, I'd be fine with the same thing. Some name that maybe not everybody knows or can get excited about, but that doesn't matter as long as they kind of shore up the defense as best you can in today's you know college football offensive world. But got something to keep an eye on. Cause uh LSU is obviously taking its time to make the right hire, which is fine. But, you know, the longer they wait, the more guys come off the board is what I'm, guess, getting at. You know, so I, I think they need to pull a trigger quickly. Like you said, if they're waiting on a, a guy from the pros, I, I don't know, maybe so. But uh, even still, it's like, you know, after this weekend, some more this guys. Point, who's going who's, who's gonna to be in the AFC or NFC championship that wants to then leave that team to go to, <laughs> go to LSU? Right. Right. I mean, unless it was like, uh, I don't know, somebody like Dennis Allen, who, you know, he's like, uh, you know, the pros are great. I did what I wanted to. I want to go back and coach college. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But still, it was just, yeah, it's like times the clock's ticking, basically. LSU is on the clock. And, uh, and one final thing to keep in mind, you're right, Scott, the clock is ticking. Yeah, LSU starts um, – like not informal practices next week. Like they're not, they're not going to be on the field. They're not going to be, you know, no pads, no, none of that. But like they're in the football ops center going over stuff. They call it football school. They start that uh, on Monday, I think uh, the fall, not, not yesterday, but you know, uh, a week from yesterday. Mm. That's crazy. It's all, That's crazy. it never ends. No, it doesn't. It does not. Um, Cause yeah, then like in what, Cut another couple weeks, few weeks. Uh, we have you know National Signing Day, uh, so it's just it's non-stop. And then not too long after that, spring practice, and then the uh, you know the L game, and then boom. Now we're the, now we're back in a we're, we're I think we're approaching episode one hundred at that point. Um, but I, I did want to get to this uh, this the special guest we have, but I I think. Um, we should talk about the the national championship game because that happened last night. And I don't know, at, at first it looked like it was going to be a good game back and forth. You know, Alabama scored, Ohio State scored, Alabama scored, Ohio State. It looked pretty even. But then 
after the, I don't know, I guess after Alabama's third TD, they kind of just started to run away with it. And Devontae Smith had stats in the first half that most guys would love to have in like a full game. Most guys would love to have over like a half, half season stretch. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And then that's all he could do is because he, he hurt his, he hurt his hand. Um, So he didn't come back, but he didn't need to either. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't care either way. I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, it's just another Alabama, another Nick Saban, title another ring he can put out on the desk when he has recruits come in to just further solidify their commitment but um another ring he can wear i guess my thought is yeah and then you know they're already com- making comparisons to oh, it's just the greatest team ever you know in the playoff here's you know the playoff area bcs area I'm like, well just let's just stop because it's this season is an anomaly there's so many teams that alabama faced who are not full strength who were not you know they didn't have the players that started the year Alabama, I don't, I don't really know if they had any opt outs, people, guys transferring or what, like, you know, that everybody else's um, experienced, but I, maybe that's the one team that, you know, people just don't, you know, cause it's Nick Saban and you're, you're guaranteed to be in the postseason in some form, but I'll say this though, if the playoff committee wanted Alabama to beat somebody 52 to 24 they could have just put lsu back in you know we could have gave them the same it probably would have been a better game this time because we got our we got our stuff together towards the end of the season i i don't know it's just it goes back to what we were saying last time uh ohio state looks good enough to be there did they deserve to be there last night it did not look like they deserved to be there at least after the first quarter was over you knew things were gonna be bad when trey sermon goes out on play number two yeah breaking his collarbone i don't know if they ever even saw what or said what the the injury was but yeah that was it was shoulder it was his shoulder yeah okay yeah it was tough to see him walking off and then ohio state like you had mentioned they were matching beat for beat for a minute but this is what alabama does they just keep scoring and scoring and like as soon as the possession you don't score like that's when it's a wrap you're buried um because then you can never catch back up with them and that's what they they did it was the same thing that happened in the Florida game or any of the other semi-close ones that they played just this year. Just the ass whooper. It's what the tide does. <laughs> right. And right. Devontae Smith proved why he deserved to win the Heisman 200 plus yards receiving three touchdowns in one half. And it sucked to see him hurt his finger, but then it was kind of, kind of nice when he came back out at the end, with this little kind of wrapped up cast on. He's like, hi guys. <laughs> like, good job. We won. <laughs> he doesn't even care either. Like he just kind of like barely smiled. He's like, yeah, it's cool that we won. That's, that's nice. He was, he was cheesing during that Heisman ceremony though. Well, it took him a oh, little bit. It took, Mac Jones had to like, had to whisper something in his ear, give him a little joke or something. <laughs> Mac Jones kind of did his Joe Burrow impression, 460 yards and five touchdowns which is pretty wild. And so we were, Tommy and I were talking after the game, like Mac Jones is kind of projected like a late first round NFL pick. We were wondering whether the Saints should draft Mac yes. Jones if he falls down that far. I don't know if you thought about that at all, Scott. I think the answer is yes. I I know I have, I have actually not thought about that at all. Um, I'd heard so many scenarios because, you know, this is apparently Drew Brees' last season, but uh, no, I haven't, I haven't seen that at all. I'd heard other stories, but Mac Jones – I don't know. I mean, my, my gut instinct is I don't think he's going to be ready to go. You know, like he's not going to be a, a rookie starter. So if he went somewhere and developed, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's just my gut. 
I don't know what it is. I, I like him. Now, I mean, he's not Joe. I don't, I don't care what the comparisons are. I don't care if he said, like he said, he said yesterday in the press conference, spoke blasphemy and said he, that they were the best team ever. Uh, no, Mac, like, let's call I mean, down. What do you want him to say? Like, are you, our team's not that good. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, there are ways to answer that question without saying that he saying that you're the best of all. I time. guess you can say, like, yeah, there's been some, there's some been some really great teams, teams before, like, and I think we're one of them. We're thinking, like I think that. we're one of the best teams ever, which is true. I think they are one of the best teams ever because they won. They're one of the best teams in the playoff. They're one of how many playoffs have there been? Seven. Yeah, there's been seven, and they're, been they're, six, he's, they're definitely in the top seven of all playoff team playoff winning teams. Um, I think they're I think they're probably one of the best Bama teams we've watched. I think they're better than the one that that thrashed Notre Dame. I think they're probably better than the 09 team with Mark Ingram. Um I guess it's not a playoff team, but regardless. Uh the but the I, I will say, you know, as far as uh Scott, you said Dizel did, you know, who could have who could have been there, who could have uh did Ohio State deserve to be there? You know, if, if we wanted the team to lose 52 to 24. Well, I'll do you one better. You said LSU. Why not number five, uh, A&M, who actually played at Alabama earlier that year and lost 52, 52 to 24? Yeah, like it was the exact same game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I, when, I, when I had that thought last night of uh, Ohio State does not deserve, I was immediately thinking, who could it be? A&M? Nah. <laughs> nah. I would, rather see, I would rather see somebody else play. I don't know who would have been next up in line. But, like, think about it, though. Had the Big Ten not put Ohio State in their Big Ten game, who would, that would have been Northwestern and Indiana. Neither Indiana. one of them would be in the playoff. Uh, but that would have opened it up for somebody else. Probably A&M, but I don't think they'd have won. I think it would have been a different matchup, though. You know, yeah. at least, like, the season. Clemson, Alabama. Right, right. I feel like that maybe would have just been a, somewhat of a better game because I just I, – I don't know. Um, I – I don't see how Ohio State was keeping pace with them, and then all of a sudden they just stopped. Because uh, like they lost Sermon on that first or second play, and but you know they were still doing fine after that. But uh, then uh, the bottom fell out. So I don't know. You know, I, I will say there's a little bit of a counterintuitive thing because we, we're in the age of offense. You know, LSU was LSU last year was a pinnacle of it. This Bama team's a pinnacle of it. I mean. At this point, these teams can score at will. The the rules are set up for it. You saw the uh, the you know the Skalski uh, targeting play in the in the which Peach Bowl game or whatever whatever the playoff game was against you know, Ohio State Clemson. You saw that they and that takes out a dynamic playmaker for Clemson's defense. Then you saw it for Alabama where Battle goes out and uh, so so the rules are set up for offense. You know it, it's it's the time of offense. But I will say, I almost think that that yesterday was almost decided as a defensive game, because when you think about it, I mean, I, I thought Bama's defense looked really good. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. they didn't. Now they gave up twenty four points, which you know, ten years ago you would have said, "Oh wow, Bama gave up twenty four points. What a bad performance for their defense." But when you think about it from the perspective of where we're, where we are right now, uh, it, it Bama had like four or five like really really good good defensive stops they held them on that the there was like the one like uh on the targeting play it brought them down to like bama's red zone and they held them to a field goal and then you know there were a lot of good uh three and outs that they forced and these days with the way offenses are and when you have an offense that has the heisman trophy winner Najee harris 
Waddles Waddles doing things. He's standing around <laughs> and uh and and you know Mac Jones is throwing the ball and Mechie, who I think is gonna be the next great one in Alabama. When you've got all these people, uh, all you need to do is make some make a few stops. And then, like Daniel said, it's dominoes. After if you make if you if if Alabama gets four stops in that game then bam, then they win the game handily because no matter how many times Ohio State scores, Alabama's probably got them, got them by three scores. Yeah, the, the Chris's were swarming last night. Christian Harris, uh, Christian Christopher Allen, and Christian Barmore. They were all like – Barmore had two like big sacks. That and I Chris Fowler. Uh, yeah, Chris Fowler on the call. <laughs> um, he was doing his thing. Uh, and they just got so many plug-and-play players. Like, they got true freshmen in there starting in the national championship and making plays. It'll be there for two more years at least. Probably and, four, probably three. Uh, yeah, and so this is – I was looking it up. I was surprised this was only Saban's second undefeated, like, national championship mm-hmm. winning team. But they look posed to to do it – or poised, posed, same thing, yeah. to, to do it again next year. And uh, we can only hope that someone else will put up a little bit better fight. <laughs> what about – I think we just have to address it because we talk about recruiting a lot. What about how uh, four out of 11 defensive starters for Alabama come from the great state of Louisiana? Yeah, they, they flashed the graphic, like, where everybody was from, and it was, like, Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, like, Scotlandville, like, all three, like, in a row. Yeah. But West, and, then, and then on the flip side, uh, on the starting offense, two out of 11 are from, from Louisiana as well. You got West Monroe and Amy. Right. You know, it, they can't keep getting away from getting away with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Ed Orgeron, I mean, he's done his best to try and put a fence around Louisiana, but I just, I don't think it's, it's you, you can't, you can't make it airtight, you know, because some of these guys just, they just want to go, go away, you know, like maybe they didn't have any uh, dreams growing up of going to LSU. They just, they just want to play, or you know, maybe they did, but Nick Saban comes calling like. How do you turn that down? Like if Tommy, if you, let's say you were the star quarterback coming out of whatever high school you went to and you said, Oh yeah, man, I love LSU. But then you went, you know, you took a visit to uh, Tuscaloosa because Nick Saban wanted to offer you. I don't know. It's like, I think it's a hard, I mean, it is a hard one to turn down. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, you can't really fault anybody for, for choosing to go, but, uh, the stat, the stat that the stat that blows me away, and which I think just cements him like to have pretty much uh, the best recruiting class ever each year. Mm-hmm. Well, not not ever, but like he, that's why he's the best recruiter year in and year out. Is I think since what was it? Since two thousand, every player he's coached has won a national title. Are you? you know, there was some, yeah. Even after he left LSU, there were some guys like at the his very last year that just came in. That one in oh seven, yeah, and then, and then once you actually, got to that's kind of crazy that you can like I I think that's actually a total selling point and it's something I'm very I'm very like like I've been thinking a lot about recently as far as recruiting goes. It's not I mean the five stars are the five stars they take care of themselves you know they'll they're going to go where they're going to go, but sometimes there's like that that two star that three star guy who never he's probably not going to go to the NFL you know, he's going to have to, um, and, and he'll make a difference, but he's not going to be a star or, you know, maybe a, a full on starter or a star player, but he's still really, really good. And how do you convince that guy to come and be, and he's going to be a guy who stays four years. And, and if you can basically promise him, look, man, you're going to be there for four years. You're going to get an education for free. 
You're going to be part of this team. And every single player that I've coached since 2000 has, has been part of a national championship team at one point in their college career. Since before you were born. Yeah. Like <laughs> how can you turn that down? That is, that's an incredible stat, Scott. I can't, wow. I can't believe you don't, I can't believe you don't hear that that much. It's the first time I've ever heard that. Really? No, I, I, I'd heard it before. And I, I had to, I did a double take when I heard us. So I started looking at the, the years and it, I mean, it makes sense. Unless that's the real, that's the real trust, the process. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. That, that's what I would say is like, if, um, you know, if you're a player coming out of high school and, Oh, Alabama's losing their offensive coordinator. Yeah. I thought I was going to play with Sarkeesian. It doesn't Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to be fine. Although I do think it's a downgrade to go from Sarkeesian to uh, Bill O'Brien. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the, the offense or the team is going to downgrade, but you know, be that as it may. Um, well, I did want to uh, touch on some, some LSU basketball stuff because they had a pretty interesting week or yeah, pretty interesting couple games since, since we did our last pod. Um, they had a, a really good game against Georgia, which actually went into overtime. Uh, they ended up winning 94 to 92, um, and then they were supposed to play Missouri this past Saturday. That, that game got switched out again, I think, you know, due to COVID related issues. So they, they swapped in Ole Miss and then they just, uh, they just beat the, beat the heck out of them 75 to 61. So, I mean, Will Wade's still, you know, still on track and uh, they actually picked up a, well, they, they did lose. It was interesting. they, they lost a transfer, Charles Manning, who, you know, last year, he was like the only guy that was competent enough to, you know, play defense consistently. Um, but uh, he's, he's transferring out, but then, you know, it's like easy come easy go. Now they've got a, they've got a transfer in from San Jose state, uh, a guy named Seneca Knight. I don't think he's, he's not gonna be able to play until next year, but um, still it's just, you know, re- replace one with the other, I guess. Uh, but I don't know, do you guys, I, I didn't get to see any of the games myself. I just kind of followed as, as much as I could, saw some highlights of it. But um, I mean, they, the game against Georgia, I don't know. I think typically that would have been a game that, you know, LSU a few years ago probably would not have held on to win. But uh, Will Wade's got some, you know, he's got some players with him, man. He's got some, he's got some players with some fight. And, uh, you know, I don't care if they win by two points in overtime against Georgia. You know, a win's a win. And now they're, I think they're up to like number 14 in the country as far as ranking. So LSU yeah. basketball is sitting pretty good, right? Yeah. I watched the, the Georgia game, at least the, the latter part you know, of that's it. the last half and the overtime. Yeah. It was super exciting down to the wire. Uh, probably a little bit closer than it needed to be since Georgia is not exactly the, the power of the sec in basketball, but in Javante smart and Darius days made some clutch buckets late to, to seal it. And then there was a lot of free throws going on. Thankfully, we made most of them. And then and Cam Thomas had the clutch free throws. Yeah, Cam Thomas was just scoring over like over and over. He's still one of, I think, like the top 10 players in the country in scoring offense. Although he did get hurt in the game against uh, Ole Miss, which is too bad. He hurt his ankle. So he's, I think, supposed to be game time decision for the next one uh, coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, against Arkansas. So hopefully he can go. And if he can't, then he'll be back soon. Uh but yeah, Charles Manning losing him is too bad uh, since we were already a little bit thin. Sharif O'Neal hasn't played the past couple of games. Uh, he's been injured as well. Uh, but 
if LSU can keep picking off kind of the lesser opposition and, and building their cohesion, then I think they're poised for a pretty good run at this point. And they're definitely still exciting to watch. They score a lot. Uh, so that's always good to see. It's true. It seems like Davey's got pure shooters now. Like, you know, just with Smart and Thomas, uh, even even Watford. Like, I mean, he's, he's hitting a lot from outside the arc too. It's just, I, I feel like they've got some guys that can just hit hit some shots, you know? They didn't have to be all the inside game. Having said that, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to toss out there, I wanted to uh, kind of usher in this new segment with um, with our special guests. And now we have a special treat for you here on Talking Tigs. We actually have a, a former Tiger here to, to talk with us. Uh, his name is Mike Duplantis. He played back with the Tigers way back when, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, he's actually Daniel's uncle. So, uh, Daniel, uh, do you want to give us an intro to, to who our special guest is here? Yeah, so we're uh, very pleased to have Mike Duplantis, my uncle, on the podcast. I uh, played offensive line uh, back in the, the late 80s and early 90s, and uh, is a, a great guy, proud to call him family, and extremely happy to have him here on the podcast. So, uh, Uncle Mike, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yes. Uh, good good day, everybody. Mike Duplantis, I'm originally from Bay Lafourche, uh, which is south-central Louisiana. I went to high school at uh, Central Lafourche, which is located in Matthews. Uh, I still live uh, in the Bayou region today, uh, so born and raised. And uh, yep, went to uh, LSU from 1990. I'm sorry, 1988. As a freshman, was was redshirted. Uh, was able to uh, had a few injuries, but anyway, uh, wound up uh, playing. Uh, really my sophomore, junior, and senior year were the key years I, I played. So that was 90, 91, 92, uh, but was a part of a, a pretty solid team in, in 88 and uh, in, in 89. So anyway, had some ups and downs, probably more downs than ups uh, from a record standpoint, but uh, nonetheless uh, enjoyed my time playing ball for the Tigers and, and probably more importantly, uh, have an opportunity to get a degree uh, that was paid for, uh, you know, through my athletic scholarship, which was, which, which was really cool. Yeah. That's a uh, real special that you got to do that. And I'm sure you made all sorts of friends and, and memories that you've had for forever now. Oh, absolutely. So are you, are you an active member of like the L club? Like, I don't know too much about it. Cause obviously I'm not an athlete, but I know a lot of, I feel like they reach out a lot to, you know, the, the different athletes and there's some perks and stuff along with that. Yeah. It's a, uh, so the L club, uh, you can join and be a, uh, you know, you pay a, an annual fee or, uh, you can be a lifetime member, but, uh, anybody who has, uh, well, I understand it anyway, I'm probably not the most, uh, educated on it, but, uh, the L club, anybody who's been affiliated with any of the sports, uh, at LSU over time. So it, it could be, you could be a, you know, a gymnast, or you could be a trainer, a manager, uh, just tied to the program. So, uh, they have many activities throughout the year. Probably one of the, the ones I'm involved with most is, uh, prior to the home football games, uh, a few hours before the kickoff, uh, there's an area, I guess it's on the west side of the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Uh, it's, I think it's the basketball ops uh, area or something. Uh, they set up a nice tailgate inside for all the members and 
uh, it's always nice to be able to go in and see a, a lot of folks, uh, you know, in school with back in the day, uh, whether part of the either could have been the baseball, basketball, football program, gymnast, volleyball, uh, and just seeing seeing people you hadn't seen them in some time. So it's a nice, uh, as you mentioned, a perk of, uh, you know, being tied to, to uh, LSU athletics. Very cool. I know that um, I, I got to tour the football ops center last, about a year ago, right now, right after the national championship. And uh, <clears throat> Verge Osbury was showing us around. And then he he was talking about like, oh, you know, oh, he's, this guy's an Elk Club member, this guy, you know, he, I, I saw him at the Elk. So I was wondering about that, yeah. but that's cool to hear. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Daniel, you had a few questions that you kind of wanted to get into kind of what, uh, what you got? Yeah, it's nothing like super formal, but I, I was wondering if you had anything that kind of stood out to you as like your favorite game or maybe favorite memory as a player when you were at LSU. Mm, I think favorite memories, it's probably not as much tied to maybe a necessary game. Uh, back in those days, so again, late 80s, early 90s, uh, if, if you were on, and we're just talking football here, if you own a, a football scholarship, you lived in a dorm room unless you were married. So from, you know, uh, if you're in the spring or fall semester, you're living in, inside at the time it was Broussard Hall. <clears throat> That's different nowadays uh, where I think you just have to live on campus uh, at least your first, your freshman year or something. So I was redshirted and then uh, played ball for four years. So I was in the dorm for, for basically five years. So some of the best memories I've had was, uh, you know, the, 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 your teammates, your friends uh, that uh, you lived with, ate with, practiced with, lifted weights with, trained with, fought with, you name it, uh, for, for years on end. Uh, it's very much like a family. You, you can't get away from each other. So yeah, you make the most of it. So probably some of the best things are the memories that happen, uh, you know, as teammates uh, living together. Uh, I think that's probably the, again, that's, I was with a couple of teammates uh, over the weekend, uh, duck hunting over in Mississippi for a few days. So, uh, you know, lifelong relationships uh, get forged uh in the locker rooms, but also back in the day for me in the, the dorm rooms and what have you. Yeah. That's probably changed a lot because like you said, I, I know that they have rules now for, I think for all LSU students, as far as uh, where you can live, you know, your freshman year or whatever. But I know a lot of the athletes, especially when they're older. Um, like when I was living at an apartment complex uh, last year, we had a few football players living there. So it feels like they probably have spread out a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so you mentioned uh, your teammates and your good friends. I know you're uh, really good friends with former player Kevin Mawai, who just got into Hall of Famer. Yeah, just got inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame uh, in 2019, and you were able to go to that ceremony, right? Yes, I was, yep, Kevin invited quite a few people, uh, you know, played high school ball with, college ball, uh, and, uh, you know, professional ball with. So it was really, uh, I was really honored to uh, have been invited by Kevin and his family and uh, a very special uh, weekend over in Canton last year, uh, actually two years ago. Uh, it's going quick, but uh, yeah, Kevin was one of those special guys 
uh, in many regards, but as, as far as a football player, uh, straight out the gate, that uh, there was no question there was something something special about him. Uh, you know, I recall it like it was yesterday when I was a, a year ahead of him, but when he came in uh, as a freshman, uh, again, he had some special abilities that, that I hadn't seen on the offensive line uh, the year and a half I was there prior to Kevin. Yeah, that's really cool that um, you kind of see knew him when and then still know him now and then kind of going from there, especially, I mean, he's going on to have, a, what, he played like 16 years in the NFL or something like that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and then Kevin's a, uh, I think that's, you talk probably most anybody who, you know, we're talking again football here, but, uh, you know, back to college days, you know, I'd see Kevin periodically, uh, probably more, the last couple of years because he had retired. Uh, prior to that, it had been years before I, I'd seen him. But uh, the Kevin, minute, I guess the Mike, I was back then, I still am today. And so it's, it's pretty cool when you get to get together after, you know, a decade or two of not really talking to one another uh, because of, you know, where he was in his life as far as family and, and football, uh, not really crossing paths much, but, you know, once you get together, you make that connection, uh, you get to start having conversations like we, we've, you know, we did 20 years ago. And, and that goes with anybody uh, almost that uh, you cross paths with. Uh, we talked about it at the L Club room. Uh, it's like you, if you were goofball 25 years ago, you're goofball today, and that's how you kind of interact. Uh, and uh, so anyway, it's, it's all in good fun. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Mike, I wanted to ask you because uh, you know I, I think he you know he had a distinguished career. I think at one point he was like the head of the NFL Players Association or, or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and you're saying he just you know there's something special he would do on offense, but like is him him as a person? Like was there was there just something about him as a person? Like some some leadership quality? Because you know you think at at the college level, at least Division One. Uh, especially now with you know SEC and LSU, it's like the the level of players for that is is one thing. But then, you know, there's something that would set each one, you know, that set somebody apart from the others. It just seemed like maybe he had that it factor, whatever that was. Like, was there something about him as a person that just made him a better football player, or like made him, you know, like a leadership role? Well, I, I'd probably go in a couple of different directions, but. First one, as far as athletic ability, uh, Kevin was a guy, again, I was a year ahead of him, but he came in, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old young man, uh, probably 6'4", between 6'4", and 6'5", 230 pounds. Uh, as an offensive lineman, he didn't look like much, but once you put pads on him, the athletic ability he had was just at another level. Uh, the guy had hips. Uh, and just could move so well and get in front of you and, and, and get around you. Uh, so, again, first full pad practice, uh, this kind of gangly-looking guy, uh, was never he never played on the ground. He always played on his feet, which is – that's athleticism. Uh, so that athletic ability is one thing. Uh, I think his leadership uh, that, that I guess I witnessed – was around, he had a purpose uh, from from the get-go. Uh, he he wanted, he loved football. 
and, and still loves it. I know he's still he's still coaching. Uh, he was at Arizona State. I think he has a, a, a new position. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think he, he just uh, got – I don't know if he was promoted or he's – off, he's the offensive line coach at Arizona State with Herm Edwards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he, he's – from what I understand, he's – uh, he was at Arizona State. He may still be, but I thought he might have had a position coming to LSU. But uh, oh. besides that, I mean, yeah, Kevin was a guy, and, and uh, again, he was very focused on on being. Uh, I mean, he did really well at school, of course, but football was uh, very, very important to him. Uh, he uh, he was one, and I'll speak for myself. Uh, yep, used to go out and have a nice time, and and you know work work hard at, at football, and probably not as hard as I should have with the books. Uh, but for <laughs> Kevin, the guy that uh, he, he took it all in, and uh, he didn't. Uh, again, his focus was football, books, and and he wasn't one that uh, probably you would see out very much in in Tigerland. Yeah, so that's great. I wanted to um go back to kind of you for a second. So you mentioned kind of the positives of living with your, your teammates and your friends and stuff, but we don't really see kind of the, the hard part about being a student athlete, especially at the D one level. So like, mm-hmm. what was like kind of something you experienced was the biggest challenge or something that you faced uh, like during your time as a, as a D one football player for LSU? Yeah, so I had always taken it for granted. Uh, you, you put in a lot of time, obviously, uh, I think everybody knows during football season, you you know, you, you go to class and then you, you go to practice and you, you know, first off you, you get taped and uh, you go watch film and then you go to practice for a couple of hours and then you come back, you eat and you probably have a little more film to watch. So the, the fall semesters are always uh, busy. However, you know, you don't talk about spring semesters as much, uh, which, uh, a lot of a lot of training takes place in in, in the springtime, and kind of where I'm heading with that. The the tough part for me, not being a, a I kind of I enjoyed my college experience from you know start to finish, and with that the the books, uh, you know I, I didn't do the best in the in the classroom. Uh, you know I, I did okay. I graduated and and what have you, but uh, you have to be a very disciplined person to do well in the in the classroom with the load you had on you from uh you know the football program and uh also you know enjoying other activities uh takes time away as well so uh i I would say toughest thing daniel was just being disciplined to do well and everything and uh probably that there's some semesters that I, i succeeded more so than others uh but again in the end, my, my game, and I can tell a little story real quick. When uh, my focus was clear, when I got to LSU, uh, freshman camp, you start as just freshman and, uh, for about a week, week and a half, and then the upperclassmen come in and, uh, you know, for two days, and that's normally early August. And back in those days, we didn't have cell phones or anything, so it was uh, – you know, I was very close and still am with my parents and I would call home and report in on how things were going. So first day of two days, the upperclassmen came in, I called home and my dad was real anxious. He, you know, how did, how did it go? And I was like, Bob, there's one thing for sure. 
He said, what's that? I said, I'm getting my degree. He goes, what you mean? I said, man, it's fast. I said, they fast <laughs> and they strong. And I right. said, uh, you know, I know I can play, but I said, it's, I'm not going to be playing at, at, the, at the next level. Uh, so I had that recognition right away of my capabilities. I knew I could compete uh, and play ball uh, at the Division One level. But the special ones, uh, you know, we talked about Kevin a minute ago and there was others. Uh, they were just a step above. And uh, and that was cool with me. Uh, my focus was turned to, you know, competing and training and, and working hard to to be as good as I can be uh, to help the team, but but also uh, I needed to get a, a degree because I knew uh, the money I was going to be making uh, after college wasn't going to be from putting my hand on the ground playing football. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know that the athletes have so much on their plate uh, and just managing all that. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. It takes a, a lot of strength. Yeah, definitely, especially. Um... You know, it, it almost feel like nowadays it's probably a little bit easier on the athletes because they have, you know, they have the the facilities with the the, the special classroom in the back, and they have got the, the all the internet stuff, and they can connect onto Moodle and do your class, you know, on uh, online and everything. But when when you're going through it, you know, you had to have your your butt in a chair if you're going to be at class. If you couldn't you couldn't sign it on Zoom and say I'm going to do it from my from my locker real quick. Right. So I can only imagine that that was probably a, a little bit more of a, uh, a challenge to, to stay on top of everything. No, it, it was, but I, I, you know, I'd mentioned, we had talked a little bit ago about, uh, you know, if, if you were married would be the only way you weren't, uh, you know, living in that dorm room, you know, we had, I remember we had some, some guys and, and a couple of walk-ons actually that they, they not only did what we did as far as, you know, classroom and then all of the practicing uh, and, and training, but they also had jobs. And so, oh, wow. and there's, there's a lot of other folks and then y'all know it, y'all probably examples of that uh, and others that, uh, you know, anybody who does uh, extracurricular uh, activities to me in, in, in college uh, that, uh, and, and they do well in school. I mean, that's a heck of a commitment. So it could be, you know, belonging to a club or, uh, you know, band. I mentioned the trainers, the managers. There's lots of folks, uh, you know, that put in a lot of time that, uh, to me, don't, you know, don't make the, the athletes all that special. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned some stuff that's changed a lot. One thing, that came to mind for me is like recruiting in particular, how it's so much like more extravagant and stuff like these days. I was wondering if you could talk for a minute about kind of how you came to uh, the decision to play for LSU and like that process to, to become an athlete there. Cause that's something I don't really know about uh, kind of how you you started. Sure. So uh, to me, uh, it was a surprise. Uh, I had been going to LSU, uh, football camp since I was in like eighth grade. And so that in those days it was Bill Arnsparger uh, was the coach. And then it wound up being uh, Mike Archer. And so anyway, under Mike Archer, uh, I'd went as a junior. Yeah. Between my junior and senior year, uh, also went to Tulane football camp and 
I, I was getting letters uh, after, you know, during my junior year of uh, high school from most of the in-state Louisiana schools and then a couple of Texas schools, Mississippi and, you know, along the Gulf Coast, just, uh, I would say, generic type recruiting uh, literature. And then probably leading up to that summer before my senior year, uh, it, it got a little more personal where coaches started calling. Uh, and at the time, and I think still today, uh, certain, you know, I can speak for myself, the, uh, the, the coach who recruited the Bayou region uh, was uh, Coach Daigle. He was our running backs coach. And... Uh, so anyway, he was recruiting me, and back in those days, uh, I had a college high school coach who was well-known in the, the coaching circles, not only in high school, but in college levels, because he had been doing it for so long and, and so well-respected that uh, he was fielding a lot of the recruiting literature for me. Uh, didn't know he was doing me a favor, but he was doing me a favor, and so it was my... Uh, Right before we broke for the summer, he told me that I was being recruited by LSU, Tulane. Again, name some of the areas. Uh, and actually, I went to my last two football camps the, uh, at uh, LSU and then, then at Tulane. And just so happened that both of them offered me a scholarship while I was at the, the football camp. And uh, chose not to accept either one, but I really was committed to going to, to LSU. I just waited a few weeks and I think we might've played a, a couple of ball games. So sometime mid late August, uh, during the, the a phone call with the, the recruiting, uh, guy I'd mentioned coach Daigle, uh, again, he had offered me. And so I, I accepted. So in those days it was phone calls every, you know, once a week, uh, they would reach out to you. Uh, I forget what they, call them, but, uh, Scott, you, you may recall, uh, I guess telexes or I'm, I'm, oh shoot. The, uh, it was like an email, but it was a, uh, it was a letter, uh, that was, uh, like a tele uh, no, it's a tele, I don't know. It's uh, they would send them out like, uh, the coaches from, if they, they were playing at Tennessee or Ohio State or whatever, they would send them from the locker room. Uh, and uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, so no, I didn't. I didn't know. Is this is uh, this is it like a direct message or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. LA, they call it, but uh, Telefax or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's uh, going to be as close as we get. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was much more in person. Uh, yeah, did not have all of the the uh the videos uh of today all the social media and what well we had zero of that so it was all <laughs> I, I owe a lot of, I know to my my high school uh, football coach coach Bob Gro uh, who since passed but he was uh he he spoke for me and and that that got them to look at me and uh you know I earned it from there but he he gave me that opportunity uh, based on his street cred, uh, when it came to the football circle. Yeah, that's a good story. And I'm glad it worked out for you. Um, I know that Tommy Hodson, LSU quarterback, great played, uh, at central Lafouche as well. Did you play with him in high school? 
No, Tommy was a, uh, he was three years older than me. So I was in junior high when he was a senior in high school. Uh, and at LSU, uh, was able to play two years together. I say play, we practiced together. I didn't play much, uh, at all my, my redshirt freshman year when he was a junior and then his senior year, uh, played a little bit sparingly, mm-hmm. uh, more so practice, but, uh, yeah, Tommy and I oh, actually were next door neighbors, uh, first cousins. So I'd of course been watching him as as he went to LSU and played. And part of the reason I aspired to to go to LSU was uh, you know Tommy being there and a couple other guys from the Bayou region that that were playing there at the time that I, I kind of looked looked to, uh, to as as mentors, if you will. So you kind of never, you never really, uh, you know, had, you were kind of hundred percent LSU the whole time. You kind of, even though you, you said, you, you know, you took some time to think about it, but even when you had other offers, you, you were pretty much sure you were going to do LSU. Yeah. And, and in retrospect, I wish I would have, uh, I committed so early to LSU. I did not go on any recruiting visits. Uh, mm-hmm. and I wish I would have just experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just went on an official visit to LSU, uh, which again, uh, to T point, uh, Tommy. Yeah. When my, my sights were set on LSU and when they offered me out, that, that was it. So, uh, but like I said, in retrospect, I, I probably wish I would have, uh, experienced a little more of the recruiting circle or mm-hmm. circuit, uh, to, uh, because I had several of my close friends and teammates that had did it and they had some cool experiences at some, you know, some different universities. Yeah. I guess. And also just, you know, see what's out there. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we're, we're glad you went to LSU. I know that. <laughs> yeah. No, no regrets at all. Yeah. When we respect your decision. So well, you, I know that you said, um, well, you said Arnsparger was there like he was at your junior year. That's when you started getting recruited, but it was like Mike Archer was there like as you got to LSU. Uh, it actually was, Owen was there when I, I went to football camps. It was his camps. And then okay. he, he became the head coach in 87. Uh, Archer it, uh, did that is. And uh, so I was, I really got recruited by the, the Mike Archer era. Uh, and uh, of course he, he was there. He he was he coached in '87, and then I got there in '88, and he was there for three years until '90 uh, uh, when uh, Holman came in. Correct. That is yeah. Correct. So I thought. I mean, but I think your first year there that was probably like the best year. Well, that was Archer's best year. That was for sure because it was a, a a good record. You guys, it was the, the year of the earthquake game. Yep. Um, and first game I ever dressed out for. Oh really? Yeah. So yeah. What a what a game to to, to show out in. No, um, absolutely. So, I mean, you can talk about that if you want. I was just going to ask you because you know you you came in under one coach, but then uh, you know there was a changing of the guards, so to speak, while you were there. And you know it's just something we've been talking about on the pod because you know LSU's having a changing of the guards of their own. So I was just wondering, you know, what your thoughts were as far as coming under work coming in under one coach, but then you know having a a change like midway through your, uh, your time there, like what it was like, uh, you know, as a player seeing, you know, the guy that brought you there go and then this new guy coming in and 
you know, how different that was and just, you know, like as a player, what's it like to, to go through all that? I probably didn't. Uh, it wasn't until years after college, I reflected back on it and really saw how things happened. I think at the time uh, I was just committed to, uh, you know, being a, a solid teammate and uh, I wasn't transferring anywhere, uh, which uh, of the 25, and I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but the 25 guys that came in my recruiting class in 88, I'm gonna say 12 to 15 of them weren't there at the end. They, they either transferred or just quit football altogether. So there's there were a lot of casualties or there are casualties that happened with the changing of head coaches, but we also have position coaches that change frequently. I had three different offensive line coaches while I was there. So uh, that could be problematic, but again, I just, uh, I was focused on, yeah, being as, as, you know, doing what I was supposed to do in the weight room, training, uh, in the classroom, on the football field. Uh, and it wasn't until probably a few years later that I saw with the changing of, uh, you know, we talked about Archer to Hallman that, uh, and I, I think you see it at times when you have these, the head coaching job changes where they bring in a pretty much a new staff altogether all is uh, they, they have their uh, recruiting classes and they're putting their name on the program. And uh, I think when we saw my, more so my senior year, were a lot of true freshmen uh, playing, which was good. Uh, but at the same point in time, I think it probably detracted from, uh, you know, as many wins as we we could have. And, and that's just my opinion. Uh, they were what they were doing was building a program for the years to come. So uh, a couple of the older running backs, as an example. Uh, didn't get as much playing time. We had, I think, three or four true freshmen uh, running backs, and they were all pretty much playing. So, uh, and, you know, early in my career, as a, my, my true freshman year, the uh, 25 scholarship folks we had, 24 of us got redshirted, and one uh, had some playing time. You fast forward to when I was a senior and you coaching staff, it was probably half of the freshmen. Uh, were uh, were playing and another half getting redshirted, so it was just kind of a change in in focus. Uh, and, and I guess to put a bow on that, the uh, they they were Holman, that is, they were playing, you know, some younger folks in order to start building what their new uh, program was going to be and look like. So, and with that came uh, again some maybe not as competitive games as we, we could have had otherwise. They, they just wanted to build it in their image and kind of put that, put that stamp on it, you know, early on, I guess, to show what that new coaching change was going to look like. Yeah. And it, I think it was maybe a commitment to the kids they were recruiting at mm -hmm. the time, you know, my teammates. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think less of them uh, for that at all. It's, it's again, I didn't uh, recognize it until probably years later, reflecting back on how things kind of played out and, you know, it was what it was and just kind of move on. And you see that still today when you, you have program 
that's that change uh you know people start moving around and uh i don't understand the the uh you know some of the things you see today where you have people who decide to to forego playing to wait for the draft or, or different things like that, that that's just foreign to me uh and again i don't judge those folks for doing what they're doing it just it, uh, it's a world I didn't live in is all. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, Scott, did you have any other questions? Well, um, yeah, well you, let's see. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, I was going to ask what you're like, I think Daniel already asked it though. Uh, I was going to ask, cause I knew you were there for the earthquake earthquake game, but he, he already asked you what the, uh, like what your favorite memories were. Um, I guess, I don't know. Um, I was just looking through. It's like, you didn't just play with Kevin Mawai. You know, you also played with Todd Kenshin. And as you said, Tommy Hodson, who, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, start following LSU football till it was probably the late nineties, but that was like the last, you know, like fairly known quarterback that I knew of, you know, before, uh, I guess before the, the turn of the century, uh, but you also played with uh, Odell Beckham Sr. Mm-hmm. Not not junior, but the senior, <laughs> like the OG OBJ. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there a, is there a, I don't know. Is there um, a, a story about any of those guys or maybe, you know, some, some other player that maybe we don't know that was, I don't know, just uh, like that really stood out to you in your time there. Like, you know, it could be uh, during or, well, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, during your, your time there either a funny anecdote or just uh you know just something that something that you took away from from them with your time there yeah and no, i think it's probably when i was early in my career the upperclassmen uh they had a couple of them that kind of took me under their wing and uh uh looked out for me and and i didn't even realize it at the time but it allowed me to do the same thing for hopefully others and when I was a freshman, they had two guys, Clint James and Carl Dunbar, two de- defensive linemen uh, that, uh, again, you know, just l- little things, little advice, uh, time in the sauna, just, you know, uh, having conversations about whatever. Uh, but, you know, me being a little 17-year-old kid from the Bayou, and, you know, these guys have been playing for several years, and uh, just taking time to, to, you know, just have a conversation meant something to me. And uh, uh, I had some other examples of that as well. So uh, me trying to do the same thing for others uh, was, you know, people coming in and trying to find their way, uh, trying to, I guess, like a better phrase, be a good big brother to somebody who's who's looking for one. Uh, you know, and both of those guys have, you know, went on to be very successful in, in different ways. Uh, those are the type of people you see every 10 or so years. And, and again, it's like we talked about earlier in the conversation, you, uh, you, you fall off in the conversation like you'd been, you know, like you talk once a week to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just gave me. Uh, I think you just gave me an idea for a for an all talk show too. Time in the sauna. <laughs> I'm gonna talk to the SEC network guys. If you're down, I'm. 
Well, I tell you what, when you have these two guys and, and they, were, they used, we used to bring the uh, the bikes, uh, you know, they had the you'd you'd uh, the pretty, bikes? you'd also you know the cardio, you'd pump your arms, and they had that fan, yeah. and uh, they were bringing that bike in there to, and it made it extra hard, and then it generated more heat in the sauna, and I think part of it they were trying to be. Uh, good to me, but at the same point in time, they want to see how tough I was. So when <laughs> right. you, you you go get in the sauna and just sit there for twenty minutes, but get in there and ride a bike for you know five minutes at a time, or a couple minutes at a time. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the to be fully transparent, I think part of it they were testing me, but the the other part I passed the test and and generated to you know good friendship with with those guys. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I, I, I think we kind of covered it all, but I, I want to, I want also, uh, is there anything you want to plug? I know you're, you're, uh, high up with, with John Deere down on the Bayou. So, you know, is there, uh, if anybody, any of our listeners are looking for some, some implements, <laughs> are you, are you the man to call? No, no, actually do not call me. No, I'm a, <laughs> I work for a manufacturing unit and, uh, yeah, we're not on the retail side of the business, but, uh, yeah, no, but, uh, I appreciate the offer, but uh, I think they, our local dealers, <laughs> spend enough in advertising to to plug themselves. So uh, it's Very all good. it's all good, Tom. Very good. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. I forgot to mention at the the top of the show that this is episode seventy five for us on Talking Tigs. So that's why we wanted to have you here uh, as big number seventy five for LSU. <laughs> so uh, extra special there, and I uh, really enjoyed you being here and. Uh, Hope uh, all the best and appreciate it. No, thanks, guys. It's good visiting with y'all. And uh, like I told you earlier in the, in the broadcast, uh, y'all picked one uh, <laughs> not very knowledgeable uh, collegiate uh, football fan, uh, albeit, uh, yep, played quite a few years ago. But anyway, I appreciate y'all's time and good luck with y'all's program. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, sir. And don't don't you worry about it. Whatever you feel like you lack in, uh, you know, as far as uh, education, you, I think you more than make up with uh, with experiences, and, and you know, especially the ones you just shared with us. So, uh, thank you. All right, guys. Thanks, Scott, Tommy, right. Daniel. Y'all take care. All right, thanks. Thank you so much, right, man. See you guys. Oh wow. man, that, what, what, what a great interview! <laughs> yeah, that was such a special treat, Daniel. Thank you for setting that up. Um, I, I was just, you know, it's a treat to talk to, to former players just to get their perspective on things. And one of the things that stuck out to me other than is, you know, the cool stories is it, it's something that we talk about now, you know, with the transfer portal and all that. But what he said was, what didn't he say? Like half of the, half of his class when he came in with, wasn't there when he, when yeah. he left. Yeah. I was a bit surprised by that too. Cause you think about just these days, like people leave and change in schools, whatever, but I guess it's been such a thing for a while and it's tough to, to keep going through four plus years of school and sports. Well, and a loss and also through coaching changes and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, the schedule of it all. I, I wanted to ask him like, so what's your, what's your day start? When's it in? But yeah, you know, we, I don't know if we had time for all that, but I would just be curious and like what, what their day would look like. Um, I don't know what was your uh, what was your like most interesting thing. I mean, interesting take, I guess that uh, that, that he said. I mean, I think I think that just the just the fact that like 
back, how much recruiting has changed. The mm-hmm. fact that back then he was like, yeah, my coach did it all for me. And, you know, at the end of the year, they just said, look, you got offers from here and here and here. And he just said, well, I went to LSU football camp and I liked it. So there we go. <laughs> right. And then one thing to me was, unfortunately, they didn't win like a national championship, like 2019 or whatever. But I was a little bit kind of surprised by the things that kind of stick with them the most are not necessarily some of the big like on field moments and more kind of like the people and the experience itself. Uh, so obviously that could be different for various people, but um, just kind of show, goes to show about the whole kind of like student athlete life and not necessarily like you're just on the field grinding, like practicing every day. It's just a, a complete thing. So that was yeah. really interesting. It's a family. Yeah. One yeah. Team, that's what one heartbeat. Even now with, uh, you know, all these events that he goes to, it's just it's like a family reunion pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, although I did think it was kind of cool that his first game he dressed out was the, uh, the earthquake game. Cause just looking through the history, it's like, uh, how cool would it be to be part of, you know, these, these games with, uh, with nicknames, you know, the earthquake game, uh, the bluegrass miracle, just, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But, um, that's, that's quite a game to come out because um, I, I don't know what the biggest game would have been before that, you know, like what game before that has has a moniker like that. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, any other thoughts on on anything before we uh, before we maybe head out? I think that's good. 75 in the books, uh, 25 Ooh. more. We'll hit the big, big hundo. Yeah, uh, that won't be coming for another half the year, but um, looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, maybe by by uh, maybe by episode one hundred, we'll know who our DC is. So <laughs> let's let's hope so. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take the under on that. Uh, speaking of Tommy, I think you I think you hit the over with the national title game, right? Like you said, it was gonna be over seventy five. I think I did. Yeah, like was, yeah, they're right at seventy six. If so. if we're you know if we're checking receipts, I also did say that uh, if Trey Sermon didn't have a good game, that Bama would run away with it. I mean, he didn't have a good game. <laughs> so no, no, he he only had one one or two plays actually. Yeah, so. yeah I know. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing that none of us picked Ohio State to win. So yeah, right, right. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody was outside of uh, outside of Ohio or at least the Midwest. But uh, uh, outside but anyway. of Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> right? Did you really have them picked? Yeah, that's what I said last week. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, Daniel. I was trying to say it, but I kind of had to clown myself a little bit. Yeah, you had to. With that and the whole Joe Burrow thing, I, <laughs> God bless you. At least, at least you can, at least you can uh, make fun of yourself. That's funny. At least he takes a stand. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we need in this world. Uh, but anyway, so I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. And what a good one. 75, the golden pod from Tigerland. That's, that one's in the books. Uh, we will uh, check back with you next week. Maybe LSU will have a, a defensive coordinator that we can announce for you. Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold out that much hope, but it, it's it's always possible. Uh, we'll probably have another couple LSU basketball games to to talk about since football is now officially over, uh, except for you know National Signing Day, Spring Ball, the L game, and all that other stuff. Uh, but until next time, stay safe out there. Stay tuned. And we'll talk to you next time.